We are in the middle of our Unseen Power series where we have been looking at the Holy Spirit's role in our lives of faith. And last week, we talked about the act of regeneration um, that the Holy Spirit does in our life. He, he makes us spiritually alive. We were spiritually dead. Remember, we had that light there that God represented the light, and we were unplugged from that source. We were spiritually dead. But the Holy Spirit comes and He plugs into us and makes us spiritually alive. He enlivens enlivens us. Now, today I want to talk about that initial act of receiving the Spirit. And I want us to discuss it and know what it entails because I think there might be some confusion regarding how we receive the Holy Spirit and what it looks like. So there are going to be three questions that I want to answer this morning. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to fully understand the answers to these questions as we go through it. Question number one we're going to look at is, why do we even need the Holy Spirit? Okay, And that's going to be kind of a, a, a very simple, quick answer to that, but it's going to set the stage for the other two. Uh, number two is, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? And number three, how do we know we've received the Holy Spirit? But let's deal with the first question right off the bat here. Why... Do we even need the Holy Spirit in the first place? Why do we need the Holy Spirit to come into us? And and the answer to that question is, as I said, a very simple one. Very much everything that we talked about last week. The reason simply being is that we, as humans, are fallen creatures. We are, as we said last week, we are unplugged. And when that light bulb was unplugged, what couldn't it do? It, it couldn't shine. It was dead, exactly. And, and, and as humans, sin has caused us to fall short of the glory of God. We are unplugged from the source of life, who is God himself. So that being the case, as fallen creatures, as unplugged human beings, we cannot regenerate ourselves. We're dead. Just like that light bulb cannot do anything in and of itself to bring light to itself, fallen man cannot regenerate himself. He or she needs a divine intervention. And that divine intervention is none other than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives birth to a brand new spirit within us. Just like it says in John chapter 3, when Jesus was having that conversation with Nicodemus. One night when Nicodemus came over to visit with Jesus, this is what Jesus says. He goes, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That makes sense. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. In other words, you must be regenerated. So why do we need the Holy Spirit? Very simply, without Him, we would remain fallen, we would remain dead, we would remain unplugged. Only He can regenerate us. Amen? So that's the answer to the first question. So the next obvious question then is, well then how, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? If we need the Holy Spirit to be regenerated, then how do we receive the Holy Spirit? And the answer to this one is a little bit more involved. It's it's still fairly simple. However, it's very often misunderstood. So let's make sure 
that we understand it this morning. And let's look at a passage that we've looked at for the last two weeks. It's going to be very familiar to you this morning. Here it is. John chapter 7, verse 37. And Jesus is talking to a group of people, primarily probably to his disciples, but to a group of people, and he says this. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Now, first service, I want you to look closely at that passage and tell me out loud, how does one receive the Spirit? By believing, exactly, by believing in Jesus. Now, hang on to that verse because it's very important, but before we just quickly jump to that easy little answer, well, just believe in Jesus, I want to show you that there's a bit of an order to things that we must follow. And let's look at another passage in Acts. And this is, this is Peter talking. This is right during the day of Pentecost. Remember, the Spirit came. He's preaching that big sermon to those thousands of people. And at the end, the people are like, Oh my word, what should we do? And this is how Peter responds. He says this in verse 38 of chapter 2. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now let's unpack this. First of all, Peter tells his listeners to repent. That's the first thing Peter says. He goes, you guys need to repent. But what does it mean to even repent? That's not really a word we use in our everyday English. What does does repent entail? Well, we need to know that. And I'm a big guy for definitions, so I want to use a definition this morning for the word repent. And here's what I want us to look at as a definition for repent. To repent means to change the way you've been thinking and therefore acting. To change the way you've been thinking and therefore acting. To to repent means to change your mind about something. Because here's the deal. Think about it. If you think a certain way, you're going to act a certain way. And the people that Peter was talking to had been acting a certain way that was wrong because they'd been thinking a certain way that was wrong. And after Peter shared this amazing sermon about why Jesus came and who Jesus was, he simply says, guys, here's the deal. You need to change your thinking about who you think Jesus is. You need to repent. Now here's what you need to understand. You can never repent from something unless you first hear something different presented to you. The people Peter was talking to could have never repented unless they first heard the gospel being preached to them. So the first thing I want to say in regards to our second question is, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? The very first thing we need to know is we need to hear the gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus himself preached. we we got to hear the gospel. And what is that gospel Jesus preached? That those who want to can participate in the kingdom of God by believing in Jesus. So the first thing to be able to receive the Holy Spirit, Whitestone, is that you must hear the gospel. You must hear it, and you must understand it. 
How do we receive the Holy Spirit? We must hear and understand the Gospel. And so I want to take time this morning to clearly pronounce the Gospel to you this morning. The Gospel that Jesus went around and proclaimed. And basically put in our everyday English, this is what Jesus, Jesus did. He says, do you want to participate in the kingdom of God? In other words, do you want to participate in the activity of God? Do you want to be active with God? Do, do you want to be part of the rule and activity of God's kingdom both on this earth and the new earth to come? Do you want to? Do, do you want to have the life of God flowing through you in such a way that you are actually part of God's family? You are his son. You are his daughter. Do you want to live a supernatural kind of life, like Jesus said, where the streams of living water come bubbling up through you? Well, guess what? You can. And it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. It doesn't matter if you're a spiritual zero or if you are a religious zealot. It doesn't matter if you're ugly or good-looking. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, how healthy you are or how sick you are. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. You can participate in what God is doing in this universe by simply believing in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the good news that Jesus proclaimed. And in order for you to receive the Holy Spirit, you must first hear the gospel and understand the gospel. And then step two, you must believe in Jesus. Jesus himself said, you guys said it to me when we looked at that first verse, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you must believe in him. You must believe in Jesus. Now, before you quickly just ascend to that, okay, I, yeah, I just need to believe in Jesus, let me ask you, see if you guys remember what we've talked about last week, what is the definition for the word believe? Let me help you. To act as if something were true. That's what believe is. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus? It means to act as if Jesus were true and if, if Jesus were right about everything that's what it means to believe in Jesus so step two you must come to a point where you believe in Jesus and then in doing so you will naturally move to step three which is this repent which simply means we change the way we're thinking to the way Jesus is thinking if we believe in Jesus, think about this, how this connects. If we believe in Jesus, then that means I must repent from anything and everything in my life that stands contrary to what Jesus says is right and true. I must repent because I believe Jesus is right about everything. Repenting is the point where we come to the utter realization that we are lost without Jesus. That we have it all wrong. That the life I've been living has been doing nothing but leading me to death. And I humbly admit my stupidity and, and I acknowledge that Jesus is right. And that repentance is going to change to a lead, of, lead to a different action in my life. Because if I think differently, I'm going to act differently. I will no longer follow my way. I will follow Jesus' way. 
And according to Jesus and according to Peter, if we do this, we receive the Holy Spirit. Even the Apostle Paul, he acknowledges this in Galatians. I'm going to quickly just read through this, just to make a point here. Paul is arguing with the church in Galatians. He says, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by what? Believing what you heard, the gospel. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? Is it really for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observed the law or because you believed what you heard? And the point, that's a rhetorical question. He's pointing it out that it's because what you believed. The Holy Spirit will be given to those who believe in the gospel of Jesus, which means the same thing as believing in Jesus. That's how we receive the Spirit of God in our life. Paul reinforces it in Ephesians. He goes, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of His glory. Now there's so much there we're not going to pack quite yet. It'll happen in the future. Having believed in Jesus and His gospel. So there we have it. How do we receive the Holy Spirit according to what the Word of God says? Here's the answer. We must hear and understand the gospel. We must believe in Jesus and we must repent. Now let's deal with question number three this morning. How do we know that we have the Holy Spirit in us? And that's an excellent question. It's a question that many of us wonder and probably want to ask, but we feel maybe it's too stupid of a question or that we should just know the answer. And, and, and so we just we're leery to ask it. But I don't think it's a stupid question at all, and I want to try to address it this morning if I can. And first of all, I'm going to say this, and I really want you to get this statement. I feel that for most Christians, the receiving of the Holy Spirit is a doctrinal fact rather than an experiential reality. Think about that statement. It's more of a doctrinal fact rather than an experiential reality. And here's what I mean by that. For most of us, the receiving of the Holy Spirit is just something that we claim by faith because it is what the Word of God teaches us. The Word of God teaches us if we believe in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I've believed in Jesus, so I must have received the Holy Spirit already. I didn't feel anything. I didn't notice anything. Nothing's really changed. I just claim it by faith. The Bible says it, so it must be true. You might even have people tell you, don't expect any, or, or notice any difference. You don't expect to notice any difference. You, you know, just believe that you've received the Spirit. But here's the problem with that. That's a far cry from what we see happening in the New Testament. When you read the New Testament honestly, and I mean honestly, you read it honestly, we don't see doctrinal fact when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We see experiential reality. Let me show you a few reasons why I say that. First, let's just look at the very terminology that is used when it describes people receiving the Holy Spirit. Acts eleven sixteen. 16. 
Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John, this is Peter talking, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, help me out, Whitestone. What does the word baptized mean? Immersion, yeah, it's immersed. And the word immersion gives the impression of an experience. It's not like it's something that sneaks up, and sneaks up on you while you're sleeping and you don't notice it. It's an experience. For instance, how many of you guys have gone through water baptism? Okay, was that an experience? Yes, it was. In other words, could I take you while you're sleeping and try to take you up here and dunk you in the water without you knowing about it? No, you would, it's an experience. You, you felt it, you experienced it. The same it is with the Holy Spirit. Guys, being immersed into the Holy Spirit isn't a non-event. It's something that we should experience. He doesn't just sneak up on us, you know, behind us and kind of hop in without us knowing. He doesn't do that. It's something that we should experience. Here, check this out. Here's Jesus talking to his disciples. We looked at this last week, I think, about when the Holy Spirit would come. And check this out. Tell me if they would experience it or not, or if it was just a doctrinal fact. Acts 1.8. But you will receive, what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And guys, tell me, when the Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost, tell me, what happened? Uh, the, there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. There were fire that came down out of nowhere. The, the, the disciples began to speak in different languages, foreign languages across the world. It was a powerful experience. The disciples didn't just hang around in Jerusalem and be like, so Johnny, uh, do you think he came yet? I mean, I don't know we're supposed to wait for it. I, I don't know, maybe he didn't. Why don't we just claim it and then go out? No, they waited until he came, and when he came, they knew he came. The guys went out into the streets of Jerusalem with supernatural boldness in the face of persecution. They acted out in power. They preached in power. They prayed with power, so much so that the building shook where they prayed. They healed with power. They served with power. They loved with power. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit in these people's lives was a conscious experience of power. Believers experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they didn't just believe it happened because an apostle told them so. No, they experienced it. And that being said, Whitestone, I want you to understand that the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit is a real life-changing experience. And I know that may tap into some of our, our junk that, well, Christianity isn't all about experience. Maybe not. But Christianity is a relationship with God, so it is an experience. We experience God. Christianity is not merely a book of glorious, super-awesome ideas 
It's not merely the performance of all these rituals and sacraments and ceremonies, kind of like we did this morning. No, it is a life-changing experience made possible by the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe. Amen? And I want you to hear that. The Holy Spirit changes our life. So back to our third question this morning. How can we know that we have the Holy Spirit? Because we will experience Him. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to have a sound of a mighty rushing wind or fire flying around all around us. But we will experience Him. And I don't have time to describe and unpack all the ways that we can and we will experience Him. We're going to look at many of them in the upcoming weeks, but there are two that I think are very important to help us know that we have the Holy Spirit. We will experience Him in this way. And number one is this. We will have an outspoken heart of praise. Remember when we talked about the day of Pentecost? And the Spirit was poured out on all those people. And they began to speak in all these different languages. They went out, you know, they started speaking all these different foreign languages. And, and check out what these people from all over the world were hearing them saying. Check it out what it was. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? And Peter stands up and says, I'll tell you what it means. They've received the Spirit of God. You see, Whitestone, the Holy Spirit of God will cause our hearts to well up within us to worship and praise God and declare His wonders. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what our plight, the Spirit gives us the ability to praise. You remember the story of uh, Paul and Silas. They went into Philippi, and they were preaching, and things were going good for a while, but then all of a sudden the crowd turned on them. They were arrested, they were taken, and they were beaten and whipped. And guys, this isn't just like driving through the car wash with your window down. This is being chained to a thing and whipped with a cat of nine tails to near inches of your life. Then they were thrown into prison. And it says in Scripture, if you read that passage, that night, while everybody's in the prison there, they are praising God and singing hymns. Do you think that's humanly possible? No. That's the Spirit of God in them. And guys, it isn't just singing. When I say this, that this is a, it's not like we're walking around, Lord, we'll lift your name on high. I just I always got to be singing to prove I got the Spirit. No, this is, it's just part of who we are. It's part of our dynamics. It's just we're so enthralled with God that we want to talk about Him. It's kind of like when you girls, you first started liking your husbands and you were just like, you were first dating and it's like everything is all excited. And, and I remember I, I, when I was going to Bible school, I worked with this one girl who just met her boyfriend and we, every day we would drive to work together and guess what she'd talk about? This dumb guy. She's like, oh my word, you know, he, he has a shirt just like you have, except he's bigger and he's stronger and he wears, he fills it out better. And he's this, and oh, he's going to come visit this weekend, and I just can't wait to see him. And he's this, and he's that, and he's so smart, and he's got this great job. And just, and just shut up. That's all she talked about. Guys, that's how it is with us. 
we will be so enthralled with God because God is dwelling in us that we'll want to talk about him. We're going to want to sing about him. We're going to want to share him with the whole world around us. The heart in which the Holy Spirit has been poured out will stop focusing and magnifying self and start focusing on and magnifying God. Heartfelt praise and worship is a mark of a real experience of the Holy Spirit in you. Because that's not humanly possible. The human part of us will focus on who? Self. That's who it glorifies. That's who it likes to talk about. That's who it wants to spend its whole day you know, telling stories about. But not someone who's indwelt with the Holy Spirit. They want to talk about God. They want to declare the wonders of God. Here's a second mark. Obedience. Part of the experience of having the Holy Spirit is, is a desire to obey God and not fear man. You know, right after the day of Pentecost, the disciples, were, they were just overwhelmed with boldness and they went around preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus, doing great and mighty things, and it was just awesome. And the Sanhedrin had them arrested and they said, listen guys, we want you to Stop. Stop teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus. We want you to cut it out. Because if you don't, we're going to beat you and we're going to put you in prison. And look at how Peter responded and the other, this other apostles replied. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. We're witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Guys, here's the deal. It is absolutely inevitable that when the object of your heart, when the object of your heart's desire changes, your obedience changes. Here's what I mean. If money is the object of your heart's desire, then you will obey the natural sinful desires within you to make more and more in money and to try to accumulate as much wealth as you can. If power is the object of your heart's desire, you will obey the natural sinful desires within you to gain more and more power. If self-exaltation is the object of your heart's desire, you will do whatever necessary to bring attention and praise to yourself. You will obey the natural desires of the flesh that have been burnt into you from living in this world. But, but when the object of your heart's desire changes... When the object of your heart's desire becomes Jesus and his kingdom, your obedience changes. Everything changes, but one very huge thing is that your obedience changes. Rather than want to go this way, we're going to want to go that way. And we're going to be given a divine power to go this way, even though when the whole world is trying to push us this way. That's because the Spirit of God is within us. When Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and infuses you with a new sense of the glory of God, you have a new desire and a new power to obey, and it will be supernatural. And this kind of obedience is humanly impossible. Even at the threat of persecution and of torture and imprisonment, you will want to obey because God and His kingdom are now the desires of your heart. So how can we know that we have the Holy Spirit? Because we will experience Him. 
in many ways. We're going to talk about these in upcoming weeks. But two very important ones is we will have an outspoken heart of praise and worship. And we will obey Him. Two very clear evidences of the Holy Spirit within you. And that's how we can know we have the Spirit of God in us because we're experiencing that. Now, in upcoming weeks, we're going to be looking at how the Holy Spirit empowers us to supernaturally do things that are humanly impossible. And by His empowerment, then, we will show the world that we are His disciples and we will plunder the kingdom of darkness. Amen? That's what's supposed to be our job. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, I'll admit, even for, my, for myself, I, there's just so much I don't know about your Holy Spirit. I'm ignorant in so much. And I would assume most of us are. But God, I pray, I pray that you would teach us, you would instruct us, that you would, that you would unveil the hidden things we were missing and that we might become a church of power. A church that when the world looks at us, they say, you belong to Jesus. You're from a different kingdom because you live a completely different life. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.